global shortages are causing farm input costs to skyrocket. A better way to farm shows you how to take control of inputs and maximize profits so you can farm the way you want. Now, from America's heartland, here's your host. What do we do to corn that's somewhere between VT and R2 or to soybeans that are at R3 to boost the yields? Rod here at A Better Way to Farm, where we increase yields and improve profits. We're going to dive into this a bit today. I'm going to set a little background before I start talking about what to do. I'm also going to give you an idea on some things maybe we shouldn't do. The first thing we shouldn't do, and first and foremost, is we should not plan on foliar feeding every acre. Why is that? Well, it's based on getting a percentage as an increase. And so what are we going to do? We're going to push our best fields. Most of our guys are pushing their best 25% of their acres. So they go out, they find that quarter of their farms that is the best, and they put their resources into that. Guys, this is not something to do to try and save drought-stressed corn or soybeans. This is not something to do to try and fix something that was really, really messed up. And as a matter of fact, if you've got hammered by a drought like we have here, and you've already taken 150 bushel of the acre off of the top end of your corn yield, this isn't for you. Then we save our money and we put it towards next year with the, doing the resources allocation as best we can to be most successful. A few years ago, most of the industry was saying, don't do this. You shouldn't foliar feed. There's no reason to do that. Blah, blah, blah. And you know, for 30 years, we've been working on this. We've had this triazone nitrogen product that we have and we know how it responds. We know it was built specifically to go on at VT to R2 in corn. It was built specifically to go on at R3 in soybeans because we know exactly what's gonna happen when we do that. Now, refresher, VT is full blow tassel. Absolutely all of the tassel is, is out and exposed. Nothing's still wrapped up there. R2 is the beginning of brown silk. So somewhere in that window is where we wanna get busy and get to it. R3 soybeans, that's when we have a 3 16ths of an inch pod in any one of the top four nodes on the main stem of the soybean plant. So it's critical to be able to figure out what it is that we're gonna do at the right time. Now I'm also going to suggest that you grab our free ebook and grab right a hold of that and get in there and see what to do. Because as you well know, if we're gonna foliar feed guys, pressure is critical, time of day is critical, temperature is exceedingly critical, and the volume that we're going to apply Again, critical. Also a good surfactant, a non-ionic surfactant is key. As we start looking at why are we gonna do this? Plain and simple. By the time we get to R3 and beans, by the time we get to VT to R2 and corn, that plant has to, to a large part stopped growing roots. It's putting all of its energy into reproduction. It's trying to make a soybean. It's trying to make kernels. It's trying to make grain. So the root growth has really come to a near standstill. By doing this, one of the things that we do is we stimulate that root growth and get it to take off again. That's why sometimes putting on two gallon of a 26% nitrogen seems to bring up a whole bunch of N. Guys, two gallon of a 26% nitrogen puts on 5.2 pounds of N. That's it. Don't let anyone tell you that it replaces 50 pounds or 70 pounds or 80 pounds it's going to be 5.2 pounds. The question is, did I get the right form? Did I get the right micronutrient with it? Did I get it on a way that'll work? And will it excite the plant and make the roots take off and grow? That's what we're really after. 
root growth when a time when it has almost ceased and going after that plant to get some more nutrients and more moisture up into the plant. As I read some of these things out here on the internet, it does scare me. I talked earlier on a different session that there was an individual who was talking about making your own nitrogen to foliar feed. He was just taking urea and he was mixing that with water and then he was going to go spray that. Guys, that's going to burn. That's going to burn really, really, really bad. And so I obviously I don't believe everything that I read on the internet and there's a reason for that. Check us out. I encourage you, feel free to call, ask questions because if a person can't explain what they're doing and why they're doing, then you shouldn't be doing it. I was talking this morning with one of my guys and and I said, you know, I really don't like the phrase try some. New friend of ours, Sean from up in the Dakotas, and I just really don't want your whole idea to be I'm going to try some just to see what happens. Now, obviously, experimenting is great. I have no issues with that. But I do think that we need to be starting at a point where the person bringing it to us has an idea as to how it's going to react. One of the misinformations that I found rather redundantly through all of this is that this is a good time to apply a lot of micronutrients. Maybe our experience would indicate, based on 30 years of doing this, that the only micronutrient that makes us money at R2 or R3 is boron. Now, if you've got some horrible deficiency, if you're tremendously short in, say, manganese, then maybe you would want to put some on. But guys, I'm going to suggest to you that if you didn't fix that when you planted in the trench and you didn't fix that at V3 to V5 and you didn't fix it at V8, you've already watched the horse run out the gate and down the road about 25 miles. It's a little late to shut the gate. And so we want to address those problems earlier. Now we're going after plant excitement. We're going after increased root growth so that we can pack in some test weight we can add some size to that seed. We can get a heavier kernel. We can get a heavier bean. We can increase the size. Guys, what if what we're doing only increases your seed size by 10%? Bushels just fell from heaven right into your hands. And so we want to make sure that we're doing this. Now, I also, I get people sometimes who they say, well, okay, well, we'll just come in and we'll just fly on some urea. That's a possibility. I'm not a fan of flying urea on. And I have pictures. If you'd like to see them, you message us or you text me at 641-919-1206. And let me show you what happens when you spin urea on or fly urea on and it rains one-tenth of an inch. Just enough to activate it, not enough to wash it off. It's not pretty. And of course, the old adage comes in, that phrase we love so much, it will grow out of it. Yeah, it probably will grow out of it. The question is, what did it cost us? How many bushels did we lose because we burnt the ever-living crud out of our plants? We don't want to do that, guys. There's all kinds of products out here. I see people talking about the most common thing that people are trying to market at this stage, at this VT to R2 or the R3 in soybeans. They're selling some kind of a nitrogen, and it's almost all methylene urea. And as it says right here, they make methylene urea by reacting urea and formaldehyde. It says it's an excellent source of slow-release nitrogen. It contains a combination of stable intermediate chain-length urea polymers and 15 to 30% unreacted urea. We've already covered what unreacted urea does. I also know what formaldehyde does. If you think formaldehyde's a good idea, go get some and stick your hand in it. I'm going to suggest it's going to burn. It's kind of caustic. And so, while the industry has gravitated towards that because it's easy to do, 
we went a different direction. We have a nitrogen that is engineered. It is a triazone. It's a larger molecule that lays on the leaf, lays there for a long time, and absorbs in slowly. We want this thing there. We want it to go in, but we don't want it to burn its way in. Formaldehyde on a leaf, it's going to be a quick release, but it's going to burn its way in. And we're trying to avoid that basically at all expenses. We're not going to burn our way into that. You know, some of these people who want you to put on other micros talk about what kind of response they got, but maybe they should have studied these at a much earlier date. One particular article said that the soils of the Midwest are well-equipped to supply most micronutrient needs for high-yielding corn and soybeans, to which I would say, not the soil test that I look at. For every test I look at that needs very little in micronutrients, I look at 50 or 70 or 90 that need 3, 4, 5, 10, 12, 15 pints of our micronutrients. Guys, let's think about this. We've been farming this soil here, what, a couple hundred years? 200 years of farming. And we did start back in the 60s putting on in our 50s, maybe N, P, and K, N, P, and K, N, P, and K, because we felt like we were removing it. We were, okay? However, we were removing zinc, manganese, copper, magnesium, calcium, boron, and iron. Some of the soils where I live, we've got so much iron in them, we couldn't get it out if we wanted to in 3,000 years. However, we have managed to get almost all of the zinc and all of the manganese out, and therefore we have to apply a lot of zinc and manganese right here where I live. It varies by field. That's why we do a soil test. But again, we need to address that guys at planting in the trench. And then we need to address it at V3 to V5 because we tissue tested at V2. We're going to address it at V8 because we tissue tested at V7. Right now, we're going after one thing and one thing only, exciting the plant. Guys, some of the questions that come about with this is, okay, how is it that we're going to apply this? And I get the question, can I put it on with a drone? Yes, you can. Can I put it on with an airplane? Yes, you can. Can I put it on with a ground rig? Yes, you can. You're out spraying fungicide and soybeans with a 120-foot boom. This product was built to co-apply with those fungicides. A lot of guys use this in a drone as their carrier for their fungicide that they're putting on, and it works very, very, very well. And so we want to make sure that what we're doing mixes, which it does. We also want to make sure that we're doing the right thing that will add yield. I read in an article that they have figured out that the new hybrids that are coming out here with the soybeans, the practices that we have now, the yields that we're getting with soybeans over the last 30 years, the increased need for nitrogen is about 18%. Now, we've always thought we were going to rely on the plant to fix that nitrogen. But the fact of the matter is, sometimes maybe for the ultra high yields, we can't fix enough. Maybe we don't have enough of those nodules down there because we don't have enough rhizobium bacteria. Maybe it's just we're up at that 100 bushel. We're gunning for 125 or 130, and we got to do different things. You know, one of my favorite games is baseball, and I, I have a quote that I keep from Stephen Piscotti, and he said, you know, when he got to the big leagues that he had to change everything about his batting. And one of the people he was talking to was like, why is that? And he goes, because what got me here won't keep me here. What got me here won't take me to the next level. What got us to 100 bushel beans probably won't get us to 120. What got us to 250 bushel corn probably will not get us to 300. And so we got to be looking at doing it different. And one of those things is 
is to come in there and make sure we're giving that plant that late season shot of that triazone nitrogen. Our product has 26% nitrogen in it. Our product has half a percent boron. And our product already has the surfactant built in. And so when we look at that, that makes a significant difference in what we're going to get as a response. Guys, again, I want to encourage you, take a look at the ebook. Grab that thing. You can get it for free by downloading it. I think Karen's about got it set up. You can actually purchase it sometime really soon and have a copy for yourself. And we go in all of the into all of this and how to do it correctly. What time of day, what pressure, what volume, what stage of the plant. We're going to get into that. And if you need some information or you're interested in more on this, please reach out to us. We would love to talk to you. Call 641-919-1206. Send us a text at that same number. Got a call from someone up in by Milwaukee, Wisconsin last week. I had a friend who lives about 10 miles from me. And his friend said, hey, you need to go give this a listen. And as a result of that, now I have a new friend in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And that's pretty exciting. That's how it works. It's always one-to-one. So, guys, the full air feeding works. The time to do it is probably right now for a lot of you, or it's coming very soon to a theater near you. If you're going to spray fungicide anyway, perhaps you should think about co-applying. If we can be of any help, let us know. We thank you guys for tuning in. We value you guys very much, and we appreciate the time that you take to listen. With all of that being said, I just want to tell you guys how much we appreciate you, and we hope you're having a better day. You're listening on the Verbal Crowd Network. Find more great shows at verbalcrowd.com.